Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 114. you doing what's going on happy friday assuming i post this today i'll probably post this today i don't really know seems a safe bet though it is day number 760 (laughs) of my pandemic quarantine which is admittedly getting more of a porous of a quarantine but i am still i am willing to say probably in the top five percentile of quarantine diligence in the United States of America. The United States. It's a funny name. <laughs> yeah, so United. Um, yeah, how's it going? Uh, yeah, I'm still here. Still staying at home most of the time, though I did go out a lot this morning. Jane has been kind of sick lately. Um, let's see, where to start with this? About a week or two, week and a half ago, Jane puked. Just sitting there eating lunch, and she just puked. And, you know, she took it pretty well for her first puke ever. Didn't want to change out of her puke clothes. No, Jane wants the puke clothes. She was really proud of her outfit that day, so she was very sad to see it go. And coincidentally, we had finally gotten around to scheduling her checkup, which was like a year late. She didn't go to the doctor for the entire third year of her life (laughs) so we're like well i guess we'll keep that checkup she'd also been complaining a ton lately about her nose we taught her to blow her nose and you know i mean i think what well we know this now because we took her to the doctor but she has allergies and uh you know it's not a total shock em and i both have very bad allergies but ours didn't really start when we were four they happened when we were like 12 13 14 that sort of thing so it's a little upsetting that they started so young and uh, she just does not like it. And her nose is itching and burning and it's really bad. The doctor looked in there. And she's like, yep, that's allergies. Um, she got her flu vaccine and then that hurt for a few days. So that was another problem. She didn't really like that, that her leg hurt. And she had to get a blood draw for the allergy test. And the allergy test is a big, big blood draw because it's a lot of tests. You know, it's like 60 tests. So they didn't do that that day because she had gotten two shots, vaccines, and it was, it was a lot for uh, Emma took her to the doctor that time. So they're like, well, you got to bring her back later for the blood draw. So today when she woke up, she was like, I don't feel well. And she was whining all through breakfast about it. And her nose was red and she was blowing it. And, you know, it just didn't feel really well. And it took a lot of convincing, but I convinced her that we should go back to the doctor and get this blood drawn. So we go, and it's just a giant nightmare. I mean, she's not the worst. Like, she's not flailing or anything, but she's very scared. It's really the tourniquet. The prick and the blood coming out didn't bother her at all. It's the tourniquet and the squeezing. So we get one vial, and then, like, she just, no more blood's coming out of that vein. Me and the nurse have just promised her it's almost over, but it's not almost over. So the nurse is like, well, maybe one vial's enough. So she goes away, and I'm calming Jane down, and then she comes back, and she's like, yeah, no, we need two more vials. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, oh, God. All right, Jane. Well, we got to do that some more. She was, like, not happy about it. But she did it. And, uh, you know, it was like protesting, but she did it under protest. So it was pretty impressive, really. Um, But she got her sticker and her little toy. She got two toys because it took two draws. 
and you know she's very happy about her toy and i had promised her a biscuit and then we went to the pharmacy and got a bunch of children's allergy medicines and this is the whole thing like i gotta figure out what medicines somehow are the ones that are most effective on her allergies and then you know the taste and getting her to drink these things because they're not pills and so we're starting on that process. I got the children's Claritin and the children's Allegra. I just kind of picked them at random because there was one was grape and one was berry. And I'm like, well, she likes grapes and berries. <laughs> but she didn't really want to drink the grape one. So but we got the we got the berry one down today. So we did that. And then we went to get went to Lowe's to get some strawberries. Lowe's hardware to get some strawberry plants as opposed to Lowe's grocery to get strawberry fruit. And then we went to Bojangles and got her some biscuits. It was a very exciting morning, but it was just a pain. And I'm I'm very exhausted from it. So I really want to be out in the garden right now. But I was like, I just need to talk this through, man. It's very traumatizing, like holding your daughter down while she's like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, Jane. Ugh. I've done it before with like vaccines pinpricks it's just a second though you know this is like this was like a minute and a half the second time and you know, we had to do it twice but you know she she pulled through so that that was good in the end <laughs> it's really not the way i thought i was gonna start my day uh this is the whole thing right like she was supposed to stay at grammy's last night but we moved in a night earlier because i was supposed to have this call with these italians for work and they can only do it at 9 a.m my time which is when i do breakfast and so like you know, Emma doesn't get up till 1030 because she works late at night and usually she can just get up earlier. But like she's had so much work lately. So we decided to move Grammy night to Wednesday night. So I would be free Thursday morning to take this call. And so I and then they just stood me up, which wasn't I don't really care if they stood me up. You know what I mean? Like people stand you up in calls all the time in business. And I certainly do it to other people, although usually I cancel an email, but these people didn't bother doing that either. And I emailed to confirm at 7 a.m. and they didn't answer, which is, you know, 2 p.m. their time. They had plenty of time. But what it meant is that she wasn't going to stay over at Grammy's Thursday night, which means Friday morning. I took the day off to get to gardening and I'm not gardening yet. And it is 12.46 p.m. because I had Jane this morning. So I'm like, well, I have Jane. It's the morning. And I really, we were supposed to take her to this, get this blood drawn at some point. And I have today off and, you know, I guess I should do it because I can't do it in the morning otherwise. And then, you know, and Emma's not going to do it when she works. She has to start immediately going to work. So it's a whole thing. This is obviously the best time. And she's already complaining about her allergies and I can't get the allergies better until we get this allergy test. So we know what she's allergic to. And so I went to that and then I was like, well, I might as well just get the podcast done too and get everything else done. So at least after this all weekend is just gardening, except for that's not even true because tomorrow we're going to Raleigh because the magnetic fields are in town and they're old friends of mine and the sound guy as well. Why Mike is a great old friend of mine. He used to do our sound in my band and um, I want to see them and Chris Ewan's in the band this tour. No Claudia this time, but you know, I, I, I love those guys and I want to see them and it's, it's, but it's a giant hassle. It's like 45 minutes away and, uh, Grammy will watch Jane again tomorrow night for us. She does it twice a week. So we move both days, which is, you know, messes up routine. I guess we'll live with that, but like God knows, I mean, it's probably an early show. So I, I, we're probably gonna have to leave here at like four or something. So like, and I'll have to shower and like look presentable. So I won't get that much gardening done tomorrow either, but Sunday, all day, Sunday, gardening, gardening, I gotta get the tomatoes in the ground. 
Gotta get the strawberries, the lettuce, the spinach. Oh, so much to do, so much to do. And I just want to get out there, but I decided it was better just to get the podcast done now because this is already a day of delays. I should get all the delays done in one day. Uh, and I felt like talking to you guys. I missed you guys. How you been? What's been going on? Um, we are still planning our trip to Boston and Salem in May. That is very, very exciting. I've started a list of things to pack. I've started making plans with people. I'm very, very excited about that. Um, yeah, that'll be a really good time. Road trip. I just, I'm very excited. I really love road trips and I really, I want to go on a nice long road trip with my daughter, man. I have a whole list of places we're going to go on a road trip later in life when she's old enough. I feel like you take a cross country road trip, see my friend in Marfa, go to like, you know, Arco Santi and the Grand Canyon, all sorts of things. But this is a smaller road trip than that, but it's a good start. And uh, Jane likes the car. We just drove, you know, 12 miles down to Pittsburgh to the Lowe's Hardware and back. She likes that. Emma took her to Atlanta when she was really young, and that went pretty well. So, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited. And, uh, oh, the other big thing this week. Right. Okay, so uh, this was last Sunday. So I just finished all my gardening. Two, three intensive days of gardening. Really, really hard. I was doing the drip irrigation install, which was a lot of work. And I had just got it all done, and it was Sunday afternoon, and I was like, ugh, you know, I'm dirty. And I'm like, cool, I can just edit the video now, and I can, like... Uh, go shower and Emma comes to me and she's like Roy's not peeing and with male cats if they don't pee in 24 hours they die and I need to take him to the vet right now but none of the vets around here are available and I'm like well keep calling more vets till you find one she's like okay she does you know she's panicking I needed to tell her this basic thing she understands she finds a vet but it's like an hour away and it's like one o'clock and she's like I, mean, I think it was like 2 30 actually so I'm like, go, just go. So she just goes, it takes her away and goes to the vet. And I'm like, well, she's not going to be here for dinner. She's not going to be here for the walk. So, you know, watching Jane's no big deal. But I got to do dinner or take by ourselves and we do the walk by ourselves and I can't really shower. Um, I should have actually, we should have just both taken a shower. That would have been easier, but it wasn't shower day. We do showers every other day. She's got eczema. We can't, you know, whatever. It's a whole other thing. Um, but luckily on the drive there, Emma, when she got there and she gets Roy out of the back, he had peed in the car. <laughs> so he had peed. So, but they don't know why he couldn't pee in the litter box. And they're still like, maybe something's wrong. And they're like running some tests and then they're like giving some painkillers. Maybe it hurts to pee. So he only peed when he was scared. Maybe there's some change in his routine or like, there's no change in his routine. This cat is like clockwork on the routine. You know, he does the exact same thing at the exact same time every day. And, um, so we don't really know what caused it. And then we had to keep the cats separated for a couple days because like, you know, there's two litter boxes, but they share them both. And so we're like, you know, they're like, you need to make sure he's peeing. And we're like, well, how do we do that? Like, we can't, you know, we can't look in the litter, but I can't follow him around. And we're like, okay, well, we gotta, we gotta keep the cats separated with one cat to each litter box, which means Keely, the other cat had to be locked in the playroom with one litter box and the food. And Roy was down in the main house with the other litter box because he, is the more friendly cat and he comes in every morning when Jane and I'm getting Jane out of bed and he like, we got to pet Roy every morning and mess up his routine. We're not supposed to be messing up his routine, whatever. But anyway, Roy seems fine and he is peeing again and we don't know what happened. I didn't even know about this. I didn't know that cats, male cats just suddenly cannot pee and then fall over and die all within 24 hours. That is insane, man. That is insane. I'm not into that at all. And it would have been really sad if Roy died. I wasn't really ready for this explaining death to a four-year-old. And, you know, um, 
if I, I you know, Roy was Roy and Keely, the two cats we have were two cats out of a litter that we fostered of four cats. And I'm like, it'd be so sad. And now we're down to one cat. We gave away these other two cats and now we have, you know, Roy died and now we only have one. I was just freaking out about it, but everything's okay. Everything's okay. Yeah. And of course the other big thing around here, you may recall Chatham County where I live, my mail does not say Chatham County. It says Chapel Hill because that is the closest large town to me, even though the mail post office is in Carborough, totally separate town next door to Chapel Hill. But of course, Chapel Hill is the home to UNC Chapel Hill, and they made it to the Final Four. And they made it to the Final Four at the same time as their arch rival Duke and basketball. And I don't really care that much about basketball, but it is kind of cool that, you know, you live in this little town. It's like 60,000 people. And, uh, this is like the fourth time, third time since I've lived here that they've been in the Nationals. And, you know, they, they apparently it never happens when they're in their Nationals with Duke. And so we watched the game and it was cool. They won. And then I watched some of the championship game, the final, UNC versus Kansas. And I was just disgusted after they gave up a 15-point lead. So I, I just stopped watching like 10 minutes into the second half because I needed to go to bed because the games are on absurdly late. And uh, they lost. So, you know, one big party when they beat Duke on the streets of Chapel Hill, but not another one. Where there's not a pandemic, I probably would have gone down there. I've been down on Franklin Street for a few big parties like Halloween and I think maybe another Final Four victory. I can't really remember, but I've been to a few. And it's crazy. The whole town just streams out onto this street. Like, it's 6th Street. It's really nuts. Um, but you know, during a pandemic with a kid, going to pass on that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then the last big thing is my cherry blossom tree is blossoming and it is so beautiful and I'm so happy. It's only going to last like another week tops, but it really is my favorite week of the year when the cherry blossom tree is blossoming. I've been taking pictures of it every day and today, especially it's just, it's just amazing. What a tree, what a great tree. That's about it. That's everything that's going on. Um, yeah, I'm going to start doing some serious gardening today. We got the drip installation, irrigation installed. Everything waters itself now automatically. The the birdies beds are built and filled. Uh, I planted all my apple trees and pear trees and grapes. They're all growing really well. I put some strawberries in the ground last weekend. So everything is set for this weekend to start planting everything. I got to plant the lettuces, the spinaches, the napa cabbage. The, the tomatoes, I have so many tomatoes, I'm going to put them in ground, I got this whole hoop house built, I'm going to extend the netting over the tomatoes, I got, to put, I got some really nice like pine needle mulch on the ground, I planted all my potatoes, 10 buckets of potatoes, it's going great, it's going to be a great garden. I'm a little bit nervous about leaving it for two and a half weeks in May, but you know, it will water itself, so I'll fertilize everything right before I leave and I'll fertilize it all when I get back, it should be good. I'm going to put a camera on it if I can. Somehow, I'm still trying to figure that out. And then, uh, yeah, if anything goes wrong, Janet will be here. And I can be like, please, 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 just do this one thing for me. Please, 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 please. And hopefully she will. So, you know, I leave it, I'm leaving it up to fate. We shall see. We shall see. <sighs> anyway, that's what's going on in Chatham County and in my life. Work is good. The diet is good. 
Uh, got a new doctor. She switched me to the next dose up of my Wagovi. Now I'm using the Ozembic brand. Same stuff, semi-glutide. So, you know, I think I lost like three, four pounds since I talked to you guys. It's not like rapid weight loss at this point. It's clawing. It's a pound or two if I'm lucky in a week. But uh, it's working, man. It's still working. And I feel good about it. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Media. On Plex, I added a movie called Let Them All Talk from 2020 that I have no idea what it is or why it's there. I think maybe I got it for Emma or something. I don't know, but that's up there. Uh, Coffee, uh, Pam Greer film, uh, black exploitation thing from ni- 1973. I don't remember why I got that. <laughs> I think it's from back when I watched a documentary about her. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, Seven Years in Tibet, 1997, Brad Pitt movie, the movie that sort of started China's bossing and pushing around Hollywood as portrayed in that book Red Carpet I read recently. Uh, The entire Moonlighting series with Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard, which I put up there before the news about Bruce Willis retiring and having, uh, you know, brain issues and, and very sad news about his health. But uh, I put this up like four days before that because I really loved Moonlighting as a kid and I, I've been thinking about rewatching some of it, even though I don't think it's probably actually very good. But God, I, was, I don't know. I was obsessed when I was like 10 or something. Uh, and Mildred Pierce, the HBO documentary <laughs> adaptation with uh, Kate Winslet and Evan Rachel Wood that Evan Rachel Wood mentioned in the uh, documentary she made about Marilyn Manson abuse she in passing it mentioned that she was in a mildred pierce adaptation i was like i love mildred pierce i didn't even know about that adaptation and then i realized it was the kate winslet one which i have not watched but i meant to when it came out and i never got around to it so now i'm going to get around to it discogs sales sold a bunch of discogs it was pretty slow but steady in the last two weeks uh, i don't know what's going on discogs is, it's making a comeback i sold boimering balance of the force Boimering is Graham Sutton's band after Bark Psychosis. It's very drum and bass electronic. It was not my thing, even though I loved Bark Psychosis. Uh, I do own the Boimering vinyl already, weirdly. That was very hard to find, so when I I don't remember why I bought it, but I did. Ian McCulloch, Slidling, uh, late period solo album. Not a fan of that album. I bought it ages ago, and I, you know, I re-listened to it when I sold it, and I was like, yeah, I still don't really like this record. The compositions are good, but Ian's really phoning in the vocals and the production's phoned in. It's just all very samey and kind of unremarkable, which is really frustrating because, you know, at the time I was like, I mean, I've seen every Echo and the Bunnymen and Ian Solo and Electrofiction show tour in the United States for like 25 or 30 years. I may have missed one in there, but generally speaking, I've seen them all, including like one-offs. I saw a one-off, like a three-off at South by one year, and they are all just terrible. And then I saw a one-off of ocean rain at radio city. That was fantastic. And that's my point is like that dude's voice is still there when he wants it to be. Like I, I saw like seven echo in the bunny shows in a row where he just didn't care. He was hammered and his voice was terrible. I remember one at emos in Austin specifically. It was just so bad. And I was like, well, that's just who he is now. He just can't sing anymore. So I guess I just have to accept it. And that's, that was sort of the mindset I was in when I first bought slightly when it came out. But then ever since that Radio City show, I was watching it. I was like, is he going to pull this off? He was singing the song Ocean Rain, you know, and it goes screaming beneath the waves. I can't even do it. Right. And I was like, well, he's going to fuck this up at Radio City. This is going to be really sad. And then he was like, no, man, I know this is Radio City. I know this matters. And he, he like must have decided not to drink that morning or something. But he just fucking nailed it. And then I was like, oh, I see. This guy can still sing. He just chooses not to. (laughs) 
which is very frustrating. Like that whole album, he's just like, I'll sing like this and I won't even use my amazing voice. And I'm like, okay, dude. Yeah, not my favorite Ian McCulloch solo album. Uh, the Verve, No Come Down, the B-Sides and Rarities. Uh, I had already owned all the B-Sides and Rarities. Uh, this was a CD compilation of them all that I bought when it came out. But it's fine with me because I own every Verve single. Because <laughs> I was obsessed with the Verve. They were so good live. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, I sold that. Uh, Space Monkeys versus Gorillas CD. That was a friend of mine's I was selling for her. Uh, the Bengals Greatest Hits, which is one of the first CDs I ever bought. I've owned that thing for over 30 years. Very sad to see it go. I love the Bengals. I might buy the Greatest Hits album on vinyl, actually. I have some Bengals on vinyl, but, uh, you know, not enough. Uh, Modest Mouse, This Is a Long Drive for something with no one, for someone with nothing to think about. I already have that on vinyl. Great record. One of my two Modest Mouse records I actually like. Uh, even though, Well, that's not true. I mean, the last one was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but those early ones... That one in Lonesome Crowded West, I just loved so much. Uh, and then an Astral Works compilation called Constant Elevation. I think it was also Tikva's. I don't really know where that one came from. So I owe Tikva some money. I've sold like 10 of her CDs so far. I should I should Venmo her like 40 bucks. <laughs> Tikva, if you're listening, I owe you money. Uh, and then I got some vinyl this week. Not too bad. Uh, six pieces of vinyl. Uh, Tinder Sticks. This is a whole thing. Uh, there's a new Tinder Sticks box set called Past Imperfect, the best of the Tinder Sticks, 92 to 21. It's four pieces of 12-inch vinyl, including two pieces that are a live album and a seven-inch single bonus in a box with a great book. And the whole thing was damaged in shipping, and it was just a giant mess. Um, so I emailed City Slang, and they're like, well, is the vinyl okay? So I pulled it all apart, and I listened to all four pieces of vinyl. The vinyl's in good, tra- good shape. So they're like, okay, that's much easier. We'll send you new packaging. So they're sending me new packaging, um, but it hasn't arrived yet. So this whole thing is just strewn across my office, like you know, waiting for this packaging to come to put it all back together. But uh, thank you city slang for agreeing to replace the packaging. I had to send them photos and everything, but you know, also if you manufacture vinyl, always make extra sleeves. It's cheaper to make them now than if you do a repressing, people are going to have damaged sleeves, just print extras. It's cheaper. I learned this the hard way. Trust me. Uh, Mogwai zero 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 soundtrack. Um, older not older late period soundtrack from mogwai that i picked up because they had another record i wanted at that discog seller which was fuchsia's album very well organized fuchsia f-u-x-a detroit space rock band from the 90s used to be friends with them uh ryan more than randall um but they're good guys ryan anderson uh, randall they they stayed with us in 94 five six when we lived in arden street in lower alston they played a show in our our yard on the fourth of july the cops came that was a mistake but it was fun um i stayed in touch for a while work ryan had a a zine called mass transfer in the 90s about detroit techno and elect uh, and space rock scene and uh i helped him with that for a while and yeah we stayed pen pal buddies for a long time randall went on to join sonic booms band I think he was in Spectrum. I can't remember which one, but I was, I saw them play at Mercury Lounge in like 2007. I went to see Sonic Boom at Mercury Lounge. I think it was a Sonic Boom solo show. Might've been a Spectrum show, but anyway, they, they like got there and, uh, um, 
Randall was playing with Sonic Boom. I was like, oh my God, that's Randall from Fusion. It was cool to see him. I had seen him, I seen him since then in playing in one or two other bands, but we never really stayed in touch. But I always really loved them, and I've been trying to get all their older stuff on vinyl, and I, this is the one that I'd been missing. It's very hard to find. Never saw a copy show up on Discogs before. They're not popular, so these vinyls are not expensive. They're just rare. You know, they're self-released, probably a couple hundred copies, so like they don't come up very often. It wasn't not an expensive purchase, but very well organized. Two by 12-inch 45. Um, actually, it might be three. Three pieces of vinyl, 12-inch singles, 45 RPM, and uh, it was awesome. I got accidentally bought a second copy of Sinead O'Connor's I Do Not Want What I've Not Got uh, because I messed up because I owned it on vinyl already, but I owned the CBS Records Club Pressing. So when I checked on Discogs, it said I didn't own it, and I forgot to look at the whole list, and I added one to my want list, and then it showed up, and I bought it thinking, well, I got to own that on vinyl. And I listened to it, and I found this whole Sinead O'Connor thing that I'll talk about in a bit. But then when I went to file it, I was like, oh, I already own this record on vinyl. So now I own two copies, first editions of Sinead O'Connor's I Do Not Want What I've Not Got on vinyl. So I don't know. If you need one, let me know, I guess. <laughs> Uh, and then I got the Reach the Rock soundtrack, which I think I talked about recently because I sold. It's a soundtrack to a John Hughes film. And it is composed and performed by John McIntyre of Tortoise. And it's awesome. And I love it. It's sort of like the Tortoise Gamera era, Gamera era Tortoise. Uh, like a little bit more prog rock jammy with some acoustics that I really like. And I just re-listened to it the other day, and I was like, oh my god, this record's so good. I really love that record. And Sling Bomb 1, a EP by an artist named Sling Bomb that a friend of mine introduced me to. And it's got Damon Albarn and Char- uh, Charlie XCX on it. And it's really awesome. It's kind of like noise jazz. Like, maybe like, uh, I don't want to draw comparisons to, to be offensive or something. But like, uh, like maybe like, a, it reminds me of that Meditations on Mingus record of the Mercury Rev Charles Mingus collaborations or maybe Pat Metheny's noisier zero tolerance for hell or silence or whatever that record was called. Uh, you know, avant jazz, but interesting. Ooh, there's motion at my door. I apologize for that. Let me just turn that off. Um, yeah, anyway, it's a great record. So that is all the vinyl I got. One, two, three, only six, not too bad. (laughs) Not as good as last week, but not great. Um, did not listen to a ton of new stuff this week. These last two weeks, but I listened to some. I listened to the new Emma Ruth Rundle singles. Uh, you know, there's this whole thing with Spotify. They put out one song, then they put out a second song in advance of a record. And when they put out the second song, it has the, also has the first song on it. And then they put out a third song, and that song has the second, second and first releases on it. So if they do three or four advanced sing- songs before a, before an album comes out. The last one of those songs is effectively an EP. So I never really know if I'm listening to like actual EPs on Spotify or if I'm just listening to a collection of advanced songs. In this case, it's called Orpheus Looking Back. I'm calling it an EP, but I think it's just all the advanced songs to the forthcoming Emma Ruth Rundle record. And they're awesome. I love her. I love her when she is playing with Thou in her metal thing. I love her when she's solo with the like moody atmospheric folk thing. She's great. Bill Nelson, quit dreaming and get back on the beam. Uh, Bill Nelson, of course, is, in my world, he is a 
highly respected avant-garde and ambient musician, a uh, member of Channel Light Vessel, and a very, very in- important guest on the seminal Rain Tree Crow album, which is Japan under a different name when they reunited. I was a huge Channel Light Vessel fan. I've talked about him on this podcast, as well as Rain Tree Crow Ditto. But Bill Nelson also started out in pop rock bands and did New Wave, and this album is New Wave. And uh, my friend Nikki sent it to me and reminded me. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about Bill Nelson's entire pop career before he became an avant-garde musician. So I listened to that and it was great. I hadn't listened to like new wave Bill Nelson in like 20 years. And I don't think I ever listened to that album all the way through. And on that note, I also, after listening to, I do not want what I've not got the Sinead O'Connor album. I was like, I need to listen to every other Sinead O'Connor album. And almost all of them, of course, I had already listened to. I mean, Lion and the Cobra, of course, was one of the most important albums in my childhood, my teenage years. And uh, then the two following that, Am I Not Your Girl, and the one with Fire and Babylon on it. I don't remember what that one's called. Anyway, to listen to those a bunch back in the day. And then the latest one, which is called Not Bossy, Just the Boss, came out about six years ago, maybe less. And I remember listening to that one in my headphones very loud while walking down Broadway between Union Square and Broad and Houston Street. And it was awesome. I loved it. Uh, but there was turned out there was one in between called Faith and Courage that I had never really listened to, and it's awesome, and it's definitely a really good record. And I've been starred like six singles off of it, or six tracks off of it. So I've been really into I've been listening to Faith and Courage by Sinead O'Connor a lot this last two weeks. Twin Tribes, ooh, I really peaked the uh, monitors on that. Twin Tribes, a goth synth-based band. Uh, their album is called Ceremony. All goths love the word ceremony. <laughs> it's awesome. Sounds like Cold Cave or Drab Majesty. Uh, I love it. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, yeah, goth synth stuff. Gotta love that shit. Black Eels, Stay Evil EP. Kind of punky, really enjoyed it. Uh, and then I went on a Hercules and Love Affair kick. I listened to his ambient works, Keep uh, Love Keep Me Through the Waves Retreat, Selected Ambient Pieces 1. And I listened to the album Omnion, which I had not listened to before. I listened to the other ones again, too. But yeah, he's awesome. Hercules and Love Affair is awesome. I got really into him because he's got he's putting out new singles right now, too. I think there's like two out this year, one with Anthony Hegarty and one with somebody else. He might sing himself, actually. I think he might sing one of them himself. And uh, so I was like, I need to listen to all the old stuff I haven't listened to. And Omnion was awesome. It was a song with Sharon Van Etten on it. So good. So good. That guy rules, man. Uh, then I listened to Paul and, oh, yeah. Paula Cole's American Quilt. <laughs> I was writing my daily email and I was like, I don't want to wait. And it made me think of Paula Cole. And I was like, what's up with her? And I looked her up and she teaches at Berkeley and uh, School of Music, not in California. And she still puts out records. So I decided to listen to the last one. It's called American Quilt. And it's exactly the sort of Americana jazz thing you expect somebody like her to make when they're not doing their folk thing. They're doing this jazz thing, right? And then, you know, those kind of records, the Torch songs on them are always really good. The mellow ones, I always really like those. So I enjoyed it. I started like two tracks on it. Uh, Caroline. Oh, man, this band is so weird. First off, they're named Caroline, which is just confusing because you think maybe it's a solo project along the lines of Kesha or Mo or Annie or Robin, and then it's Caroline. But no, it's a band that decided to name themselves Caroline, and it's like a collective of avant-garde musicians. The album is called Grace, and it's really good. It's mellow but weird and kind of like discordant and has like surprise moments of intensity. I, I really like it. It's 
it's hard to explain. I like, I haven't heard a lot of stuff like the Caroline album, Grace. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, English teacher, mental maths is an EP, I think. No, that was an album. It was okay. I, it's sort of rock pop. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, I also listened to an album called a band called Mattiel. M-A-T-T-I-E-L, and their album is called Georgia Gothic. And on paper, I would explain, I would, I would describe English Teacher and Matteo in the same way, like sort of indie pop, a little bit jangly, a little bit discordant, a little bit of Heavenly Records kind of thing, marine research-ish, you know. But they actually sound very, very different, and I actually like Georgia Gothic a lot more. Maybe lyrically a little bit darker, and the whole thing is a little bit less upbeat, a little bit more sophisticated. I mean, they both have sort of a little bit of a math rock vibe. I don't know. They have a lot in common, uh, but they're they're different. And of the two, the Matteo one, Georgia Gothic, I really like that record a lot. But really, the winners of this week would be the Sinead O'Connor album, Faith and Courage, uh, Two Tri- Twin Tribes, Ceremony, and uh, the Hercules and Love Affair album, Omnion, and Caroline with the album Grace. Strong recommend there. On the television, uh, still watching Star Trek Picard. Did not enjoy the last episode. I am very, very annoyed with the Borg subplot. I just wish Star Trek was better all the star trek should be better we are in the golden age of dark and scary and non-violent and serious and uh the word i'm really that's you know um sophisticated sci-fi and nobody working on star trek can write sophisticated sci-fi well none of it is thinkers none of it is pushing the boundaries of what's interesting i don't know it's like this it's too much action the last episode was almost good. Like there's a cool thing on the Sung dynasty and there's a cool thing. I, but it just, they, they made some narrative choices that were problematic. All in all, I'm liking season two of Picard more than definitely more than the first season of Picard and more than most seasons of discovery, except for the really great season, season two, which was amazing. Uh, but still it just should be better. It should just all be better. You know, like Raised by Wolves is out now. Things like that exist. I mean, even I just like I watched the new Halo TV series this week. There are two episodes out. It's also on Paramount Plus. It's not good, but it's probably better than Star Trek, which is embarrassing. (laughs) Uh, I I find the new Halo oddly compelling that they made something this even remotely good based on a video game. The art direction is shit. The production design is terrible. The acting is very good, and the plot is interesting. So, I mean, you know, two out of three, not bad. Still watching SNL. Uh, That guy last week was awesome. His monologue was great. The guest was great, uh, but the skits were not that funny. That was kind of a disappointment. Um, What else? Oh, Our Flag Means Death. I can't remember. I think that we finished this since I last talked to you. That was a very, very... I can't remember if they finished this. I might be repeating myself here. But the that show got progressively better as it went on, and I was really impressed. Um, and I guess we probably did mention this because we're also now watching Wellington Paranormal, which is Jermaine Clement from uh, Flight of the Concords and What We Do in the Shadows TV show spinoff produced with Taika Waititi, spinoff of What We Do in the Shadows about uh, sort of an X-Files-like unit of the Wellington Police Department. <laughs> it's a comedy half hour in the style of cops and it's great I, we enjoy that that's like our palate cleanser at the end of the night it's on hbo at least the first two seasons are so check that out um severance just finished the season finale last night and it's probably my favorite television show of the year i was very skeptical at the beginning 
And then when I started getting into it, I was convinced they were going to ruin it and it was going to be like lost. But nope, they fucking nailed it. That whole season was near perfect. And I cannot wait for another season. I can't believe it's already over. I'm so sad. The cliffhanger into the second to last, uh, ending the second to last episode before the season finale was so good. I was like, there's no way they can top that. And then the finale topped it. Maybe I'm saying too much, but I loved it. Uh, then we're watching The Morning Show on Apple TV Plus with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. And it's very good. Um, we're watching it because the executive story editor on it and one of the writers is Ali Vingiano, who used to work with me. And uh, we used to be friends. I mean, I think we're still friends. We, we text sometimes. We, we don't text. We like each other's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> on social media but uh you know i wanted to support her i'm very proud of her i think it's awesome and uh it's a really good show it's it's uh it's all about you know morning news and the me too movement it's, it gets pretty intense at times and we're just finishing season one i don't even think we finished season one but then we have another second season to go but um you know it can be pretty harrowing so we try to keep it to one episode a night and then end with a nice wellington paranormal to make ourselves feel better <laughs> I feel like I'm forgetting something too. Oh, we started uh, Moon Knight, which I am not enjoying. Let me write that down. I forgot. That's out of my notes. A lot of people are really liking it, and uh, but I just I, 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 I'm not. I mean, I love Oscar Isaac, and I think he's doing a good job, but I just I don't know something about it. It's just kind of boring to me. Not my favorite MCU thing, but I was thinking the MCU as a whole is basically like one television show and you can't just skip a bad episode. So I got to watch it. So I know what's going on in the future. And you know, I'm just like, you don't actually have to because Disney would never expect you to watch this shit to go watch the next Avengers movie or whatever, uh, <laughs> which they'll call the new Avengers. I'm sure. But, um, you know, I just, it's only two episodes. Maybe it'll get better. It's not the worst outing of the Marvel television shows that have happened since Disney Plus. That was probably Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This one's probably a little bit better than that. But uh, so far, I'm just kind of like, meh. Uh, let's see, movies. On the other hand, I did finish my rewatching Attack of the Clones. That was obviously a lot worse. So, you know, let's keep things in perspective. Moon Knight is a lot better than Attack of the Clones. Uh, and I also rewatched Twilight, God Help Me, because it was on Hulu when I was upstairs with Jane. And I was like, this might be Jane. I could watch this while Jane is playing. And the first half I could. The second half I was like, nope, can't watch this with Jane. Uh, and that kind of worked out because the first half of the movie was really good and the second half was really bad. The first half of Twilight is better than you remember it. And Kristen Stewart is better than you realized. And, uh, it's not bad. And then it gets really bad. <laughs> I went to uh, every Twilight movie. I went to opening night while drunk, all of them. And, uh, I've never watched any of them a second time. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, and then I, we watched bubble, the Netflix new Judd Apatow film starring Karen Gillian and, uh, Pedro Pascal, who was fantastic and uh, other people that I'm forgetting. Oh, David Duchovny. That's how I got him to watch it. Uh, it was a good time. A lighthearted comedy about the pandemic, which I thought I was not ready to watch a lighthearted comedy about, but it worked and it did not give me PTSD. So that was good. And uh, I watched the Olivia Rodrigo special driving home to you on Disney plus. And I wrote extensively about this in my daily email, so I will confine my comments to it. <laughs> I try not to write about media too much in the daily email because I, I really focus on the media here on the podcast. But I was like thinking a lot about Olivia Rodrigo after that. And 
you know, she's very talented and it must have been crazy writing driver's license. And then, you know, I know she was a child actor and she was in high school musical and stuff, but still the level of fame experienced after uh, driver's license compared to being a one of an ensemble cast in a Disney TV thing is like just night and day. And it must have been crazy. And more to the point, the fact that she got that band together and could perform on that level at like you know, giant festivals and on Saturday Night Live and all that, and within a matter of weeks, is very, very impressive. Her work ethic is monstrous. Her skill is insane. Her voice is phenomenal. And I really love the way she like writes her lyrics with too many syllables and lines every once in a while to just keep the whole thing in this awkward teenage phase. Um, and I really enjoyed the live performances. There's one at Arco Santi. There's one at the Airplane Graveyard. You know, those are great. Um, I really like the historical archive footage <laughs> from last year of her and this guy dan i can't remember his last name who her producer making the record that stuff was really really enlightening as well because you really saw how well she understood the emotional ups and downs of the album and there's this whole thing where she very quickly at the end of the session writes brutal because she knows the album needs another upbeat song and she knows it should be first and like it just works so well and it's really impressive that is, she's a very bright woman and a monstrous talent and i cannot wait she said even says this in the special she's like you know some of my fans probably aren't gonna like me because my world's not falling apart anymore and the next album i don't know how i'm gonna do it because it's not gonna be all about heartbreak and love and i'm like yeah fuck yeah man sign me up you know i used to say this during like around the fearless era of taylor swift i was like someday that woman is just gonna pick up an acoustic guitar and make a mellow album and i'm gonna be here for it and she did and i was right <laughs> and it's gonna be the same with olivia rodrigo it's gonna it's gonna be a a folklore. It's not going to be a polycole American quilt. <laughs> Don't go the jazz route. You got to go the folk route, man. You got to go the Joni Mitchell route. You can't go the folk route or the jazz route. And that is about it. I read, well, I finished that book I mentioned before, The Future of Capitalism by Paul Collier, but I don't want to talk about it anymore because I did not enjoy it. And then I read, uh, Allow Me to Retort, A Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution by Ely Mistel. My wife loves Ely Mistal. She's convinced we're the same person on Twitter. And uh, it's I really like him, too. And I really enjoyed this book. It was a, a polemic against the Constitution, which I think the world needs as a nice balance against the insanity of the originalists. And I strongly recommend it. It's a pretty quick read, although it took me a week and a half because I'm a fucking slow reader these days. But, uh, yeah, it was great. And, you know, I learned a lot of sort of about the Supreme Court cases that have been the bad decisions through the decades and centuries that have bastardized the constitution while pretending to be originalist. And he's got very strong arguments that are very common sense that illustrate the fallacy of their thinking. And I really enjoyed that a whole lot. I am now reading a unpublished manuscript by my friend Jenna, and I can't talk about it till it's published. So, you know, I'm not going to mention it again, but uh, it's awesome. And I'm enjoying that. So, it's going to be, a, yeah, I think after this, I'm going to read, I don't know. I've got four books by four women, and I'm trying to decide which one to do next. So I guess we will pick that up, and you will find that out in the next episode. Well, I think that's about it. That wasn't that short. 42 minutes. Because there is something about you. Got to love level 42. Uh, thank you for listening. Drop a line. Let me know how you're doing. If you're doing some gardening, let me know. And uh, I hope to talk to you guys in a couple weeks. That would be swell. Come on back now. You hear? Take care. <laughs>